You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And on today's show, we're also joined by John Kegley, one of the original members of the show. And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. For me, I just try to drown myself in Pepsi after the Chargers put up embarrassing efforts like they did this weekend because Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three riders who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our third season as the host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys. Well, I know you can kind of hear me laughing a little bit just because Sunday's performance by the Chargers was laughably bad, and we're going to be getting into that today. I mean, we have a lot of questions from that game and just some people that have to be ripped and some performances that kind of have to be ripped in today's recap of the show. And some coaches, I should say, as well. But thank you to everyone who's checking out the show for the first time. We really appreciate that. I mean, especially after that game and thank you to all of our loyal listeners and I know this can be kind of a bittersweet listen today I wouldn't be surprised if some of you are listening to this a couple days later because you have to give yourself a little bit of a break after that performance by the Chargers on Sunday it's the worst Chargers performance I've ever seen Um, maybe one of the worst Chargers performances anyone has ever seen so we're going to start with that in the news today and just talk about how in all three phases of the game today The Chargers brutally failed, not just a little bit of failure. I mean, we're talking a total collapse that doesn't seem like anyone could survive this. So in the second segment, we will start with the first half and just the Chargers' more special teams woes. I mean, the amount of points the Chargers gave up in the first half because of special teams was just absolutely brutal. And then to wrap the show up at the end, we will get into the second half where the Chargers just as much as they were going for it, trying to get something going, they just kept digging themselves in a deeper and deeper hole. And really, it's hard to point at any certain position that played well on Sunday. And we'll get into all of it. But let's go ahead and get started. The Los Angeles Chargers lost to the New England Patriots on Sunday, and it was historically one of the worst losses in Chargers history. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogmeyer and John Kegley with your Locked on Chargers lead story. The Chargers lost to the Patriots 45-0 on Sunday at home, dropping them to 3-9 on the season. And we have seen the Chargers come very close to winning a lot of games this season. It just seemed like there was one play here or one play there where they could have really changed the game. Not on Sunday. The Chargers were an absolute disaster. And it's hard to say that anyone at this point, whether you're in the coaching staff or the front office, could be safe after a performance like this, David, 45-0, to you lose to this team. And it was all self-inflicted mistakes. Everything the Chargers probably knew the Patriots were going to do, they still struggled with anyways, like stopping the run. 
and everything that the Patriots did on Sunday worked. And for the Chargers, it's just straight embarrassing at this point, and it's hard to say where they go from here. Yeah, Daniel, this was a microcosm of every single thing that the Chargers have done wrong this season, all wrapped into one game, one symphony of destruction. They were bad in all three phases. You look on offense, they scored no points. Herbert threw the ball over 53 times, only 209 passing yards, no touchdowns, under 50% completion percentage, had two interceptions, and no wide receiver had more than 50 yards receiving in this football game. They did could not get anything started. On the, and on the defense, it wasn't much better either. I mean, Cam had two rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown. The backup quarterback even came in. Jarrett Stidham had went two for three. For 61 yards and a touchdown, and the Pats ran the ball straight down the Chargers' throats 43 times for 165 yards. And, of course, special teams was atrocious again. They missed a field goal. They allowed a 70-yard punt return touchdown to Gunnar Olszewski. And then they allowed a field goal to get blocked. And that was taken back to the house 44 yards for a touchdown. It's just so embarrassing to see the Chargers put forth this type of effort. They truly failed in all three phases. They cannot really claim that anything went well in this football game. It would be hard to point to one specific thing. Chargers rookie Kenneth Murray did play well. It's probably his best game of the season, and I think you'd like to see that, obviously, from your first-round pick. But honestly, outside of that, I don't know where you would put it. I mean, they also gave up a 61-yard punt return for in this game they also had a penalty that continued a drive for the Patriots on special teams a couple of those as a matter of fact I mean the charges were bad in every area of the game and when you lose 45 to 0 it just seems like the Chargers basically have to get rid of everyone and this feels a lot more like a rebuild because you can say oh we're this close we're this close we're this close when you're losing those close games but when you make all those mistakes in the same game This is what it looks like, and it was only a matter of time with how badly the Chargers have been playing in certain phases of the game that a blowout like this was coming, but it was still shocking to watch them look so incompetent on Sunday. But, John, this wasn't just one of their worst games of the season. This is one of the worst games they've ever had as an organization. It without a doubt is. This 45-0 margin of defeat is the largest in Chargers history defeating the 49-6 to loss to the Chiefs in 1964. This is the largest shutout loss for the Chargers since 1973 against the Falcons, but it was also done against the Patriots in 1961, both being 41-0. This is also the 31st time the Chargers have been shut out in their history. In case you are wondering, the Chargers have only shut out another team 19 times with their largest being 44-0 against the Raiders in 1961. Last time the Chargers were shut out was a 37-0 loss in 2014 and some people could say this felt like that game but it felt a little bit worse. It did feel worse just because everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong even to the point where at the end of the game the Chargers are already down so much 38-0 in the fourth quarter and their starting franchise star quarterback is still on the field and I know Anthony Lynn was asked a lot of questions and he said Justin Herbert wanted to stay out there and he wanted him to face some adversity but there were so many meaningless shots at the end of the game that he took and he's definitely going to have to answer for that and I'm not sure that the answer that he gave 
really cuts it because at a certain point, whether a player wants to be out there or not, you have to protect your prize asset of the organization. And the Chargers, even down by 45 to zero, decided to keep putting him out there, keep putting him in danger. And Anthony Lynn in his press conference said that he expects to be the Chargers head coach tomorrow. And for the Chargers, I think it does send a message to this team if you don't take immediate action. But we do have to get in two more segments of recapping this game and just getting into some of the frustrations that the three of us felt over the weekend watching this collapse methodically, seeing all of the things the Chargers have done all season long come to fruition in one game and to the point where it was almost laughably bad for the Chargers. And we're going to get into that. But first, I need to tell you guys that the one thing I've been using, one of the services I've used most during the pandemic is easily DoorDash. I mean, whether it's trying to get some breakfast burritos on game day before the Chargers play and take away my appetite. The easiest way to do that is DoorDash. I can keep the red zone on for the 10 o'clock games, get the breakfast burritos to my house, and it's much more than that with DoorDash. If you want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash, and I know mine personally. There's 265 restaurants or more that delivered to me. So there's as much variety as you can look for. It's all going to get to your house super fast and they can just leave it at your door with their contactless delivery service. Plus right now you can save some money because for our listeners, you can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code Locked On. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter the code Locked On. All caps, one word. Don't forget that's code locked on for five dollars off your first order with DoorDash. All right, guys. Well, unfortunately, I mean, we do this every week. We have to get into a game recap, and I promise I will try to keep it as brief as possible and just stick to the main points and kind of just dive into a little bit of, you know, knowing this was going to happen, still seeing it happen, and just the extent that it happened too, and kind of just talk about how these are kind of things that we've seen already this season and a lot of concerns that we have and just the Chargers lack of coaching and execution just catching up to them again and one of the things we were most afraid of going into this game was that the Patriots were just going to bully the Chargers frankly and just run the ball down their throats as we put it that definitely happened a bit on Sunday and that started on their very first drive when the Patriots end up getting the opening kickoff and taking it 13 plays 76 yards scoring a touchdown to make it 7-0 Chargers have no answer for Cam Newton and the Patriots running game. He had a couple of nice gains. He ends up scoring the touchdown, but of the 13 plays, 10 of those were runs for 57 yards on the drive, and that was something we knew was going to play a big part in this game, and the Chargers failed their first test trying to stop it early. Even as Anthony Lynn put it at the end of the game, they knew it was coming. They still couldn't stop it. They didn't make Cam beat them with his arm. They didn't put him in tough situations where he had to throw it on a third and long or anything like that. They went right down the field and scored. And the game kept going in Chargers fashion, John, because it didn't take long before the Chargers to make their first special teams mistake. The Chargers go 12 plays, 45 yards, and miss a field goal. Michael Badgley misses from 46 yards, and he continues to miss a lot of kicks this season. That was a sixth field goal. He also has three extra points missed. I don't know how you can defend the Chargers and at least not, you know, giving him competition. They brought in a couple of practice squad kickers, but it doesn't seem as if any of those guys have been given a real chance yet. Maybe they will after this one, but it wasn't just the missed field goal. It's that on the next drive, you go three and out, and then you give up a 70-yard 
punt return for a touchdown. So that's 10 points, John, at the very beginning of the game in the first quarter. You miss out on three points with a missed field goal, and then you give up another touchdown and to make it 14-0 to on the game. And this is after you tried switching George Stewart with another coach somewhere on the team instead of just hiring an actual special teams coach who could actually make a difference on your team. You could say players have to execute all you want or it's a special teams job, but in the end, you got to look at Anthony Lynn here. He's protecting people that he has love for instead of trying to win football games. This falls on him as well. You have the same people on the field making the same mistakes week in and week out. Why is there not a change in pursuit angling, in tackling, in running down in your lanes on a punt team? How is Michael Badgley still missing field goals? How are you not giving him extra reps or little tips on techniques? Or even if it's someone holding the ball the wrong way like he did last time when he scapegoat Drew Kaiser or Drew Kaiser. How are you still not finding a way to fix this after the whole entire season? It's literally a mirror image of the 2010 season. And they could, the one thing that I would give the 2010 team was North Turner said, you won't see another block punt the rest of the season, and you didn't after he said that. If Anthony Anthony Lindis comes by going, we got to do better, we got to do better, well, when are you going to do better? Yeah, I mean, it seems like that time might be gone now, and I think the bigger indictment on Anthony Lynn is him saying that he's been taking a more hands-on approach with the special teams. So it's like, I mean, you, you just can't, there's nothing that can go right there. I mean, switching the coach obviously did nothing, and it's probably not going to happen that same season. Usually, if you're getting rid of a coach midseason, you're not usually bringing on another coach. But obviously, those pieces that were mixed around did not take because they looked as bad as they have looked at any game as far as their special teams go. And that was after, you know, how many ever three punts that they've given up blocked this year. And the thing is, is they're so afraid to give up the block punt now. They're going max protect when the other team brings their players in. And then there's a 20-yard cushion for the return man because nobody's able to get down the field it's just the chargers can't get that right and for something that is so simple that every other team in the league seems to do so easily but you're afraid every time the punt unit goes out there something bad's going to happen it's such an indictment on this team and the chargers offense was just totally out of sync i mean on that driver they missed a field goal you get a couple of nice runs by kalen balaj and austin eckler they did not continue to run the ball they end up you know having to kick a field goal after just blowing three straight passing plays. Instead, they can't get anything going rhythm-wise, and then they're already down 14-0 in the game. And the Chargers end up getting the ball back after the punt return for the touchdown. And once again, they can't get anything. Three three and out, six yards, relentless pressure. The Pats blew up a screen pass on first down that really set them behind the chains, and the Chargers couldn't do anything. But the defense still held them in there a little bit. At this point, they've only given up one touchdown. And they end up going six plays, 28 yards, the Patriots do before having to punt. Get the ball back to the Chargers offense. Once again, they run the ball zero times. They go four plays, six yards, and have to punt the ball back. And it was just crazy, David. I mean, how bad their offense started. I mean, it seemed like once they missed the field goal, it was kind of like, oh, my God. But at least they had something going. Like, you knew things were going to get bad. You see right here, I mean, going three straight drives where you're getting absolutely nothing going. I just knew knew at that point it was going to be a long day. 
Yeah, I mean, the first couple of drives it just felt like they had no rhythm. They just they could not get anything to go consistently. They couldn't string anything together. It just it felt like they were just getting bullied. And I mean, we knew what they were going to do. The game plan against Justin Herbert was pretty simple. I mean, put pressure on him, get out, get after the quarterback. And the Patriots we talked about going into this game only had 15 sacks. Well. They had three sacks in this game, and they got out, they got after Justin Herbert, made him uncomfortable, did not allow him to get any uh, rhythm plays in, didn't let him get comfortable at all, and it showed in the stat line. It just it was an ugly game. Well, and the problem is too is the Patriots aren't even good at rushing the passer, and obviously before this game, the Chargers found out that they weren't going to have Sam Tevy, so Storm Norton got a start, and I put it on Twitter just that you know I'm excited for Storm Norton, but. I mean, your rookie quarterback's still behind there, and even with the Chargers having Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga in this game healthy, they still had one of their worst performances of the season. So, I mean, it's just brutal. All the attempts they've made to try to make it better hasn't helped, and Justin Herbert under pressure the entire game against a team that's not very good at it, and it was just brutal to watch the Patriots a couple drives later would go 16 plays, 54 yards, and get a touchdown set up by another special team penalty, and a 14-yard punt return that the Chargers allowed on special teams. And then on third and 19 on that drive, when it's at a pivotal point, it's 14-0. to Jerry Tillery David gets the penalty that keeps the drive going, and then they end up you know, running the ball nine more times for 38 yards on the drive and end up getting another touchdown to put it to 21-0. to But, I mean, that those kind of penalties, I know you put it on Twitter, you just said, you know, the, those points are on Jerry Tillery. And obviously, the Chargers defense, you still want to get off the field. You still want to force a field goal at that point or something. But if Jerry Tillery doesn't get legal hands to the face, the Patriots probably end up having to punt. Exactly. And the freaking problem with this is that Jerry Tillery has done this so many freaking times this year. This is Especially not the lately. first time. Exactly. It's like, dude, like, stop the boneheaded penalties. I like the aggressive style. I appreciate the fact that you're trying to, you know, continue to go, but you got to play the damn game the right way because it, it seems like every time you're getting these penalties, it's on third down and you're you're keeping your defense on the field and it ends up to come back and bite you in the ass. And it happened again in this game. It's just, it's so frustrating because we've seen some great things from Jerry Tillery. Even, you know, with him moving to another position and looking pretty bad in the running game, he still looked pretty decent as a pass rusher. It's just, man, these these penalties right here has been really killer. And it's, it's, it's hurt the Chargers and it's hurt Jerry Tillery's development. I mean, the one thing about that is just that Okay, if you're the relentless player that's getting constant pressure, you're getting sacks, and every once in a while you're getting a penalty because you play with that kind of energy, I could understand it. But he's doing the boneheaded plays without the production. So there's really no excuse for it because even doing these things, it's not helping him be any more productive on the football field. He's still not getting sacks. He's still not being able to make the positive impact being a full-time player. So I think those are the biggest issues there. But... That wasn't the end of the suffering because the Chargers had a chance to get on the board before halftime, down by 21-0. And on the 40-yard line of the Patriots, the Chargers were down 21 with a time for one play left in the half. They decide to go for a 58-yard field goal after Michael Badgley has already missed a 46-yard field goal in the game. Instead of trying to go for a Hail Mary, John, 
And of course, what happens, but the Chargers go for the field goal. It gets blocked, taken back for a touchdown to make it 28-0 to with no time left in the half. And it was just perfectly symbolic of so many issues we've had with Anthony Lynn not being aggressive, making very questionable decisions. You're down by 21 points. Go for the Hail Mary. And instead, the worst absolutely happens. And you try not to give up any points. You're trying to run all the time down, as he put it last week before the half, not give the other team any chances. And now here they are playing conservatively, and it ends out with the worst possible scenario. I mean, I think you could make an argument either way of going for the Hail Mary or the field goal. I, mean, I think the one big argument is Badgley has made a 59-yard field goal in his career. And you're still sitting here wondering how did he make that? He's missing all these 40-something-yard field goals this whole entire season. How did he make that? And now you're giving him another chance at a 58-yarder after missing a 46-yarder. I think you have to lean towards the Hail Mary at that point and just be aggressive. I mean, it's understandable to kick a field goal, to try to put points on the board to give yourself momentum. But with the way your kicker has been this year, and the fact that you have nothing to lose, you kind of have to go for the more aggressive approach. But this first half was a prime example of what being outcoached looks like. Bill Belichick attacked all of your weaknesses. He attacked where the offensive line was weak. He didn't try to attack Balaga and Turner. No, he went after Storm Norton and the center. He went after that, that little gap right there. He was going with all the blitzes right there. He didn't bother attacking Balaga and Turner. Why? Because those were two pretty good guys that could hold their own. He went the other way. And then on special teams, he knows these guys suck at special teams. Let's go full force at it. Let's draw something up for it. And it worked in this game. (laughs) It's amazing how Anthony Lynn walked into all of this. He says he knows a lot of this was coming, but yet you still couldn't prepare for it. Whereas Bill Belichick knew exactly what you were going to do and what your weakness was, and yet he did something about it. This is what good coaching looks like. Yeah, of course. I mean, the Chargers had the biggest coaching disadvantage this weekend as they have had all season. I mean, Bill Belichick has always really done this to the Chargers historically, and it's just crazy to see it all put on display in a single game. But for me, like, think of what is more likely to happen. I honestly have more faith that the Chargers will connect on a Hail Mary than I do of Michael Badgley hitting a 58-yard field goal, and it's honestly not even close. So, I, I mean, maybe if it's the year he already hit the 59-yarder, you can think about it, but I think it was the wrong play there to try to go down 18 points going into halftime just for your offense to come out of halftime and look the same as it did in the first half. And we're going to get into that and the continued struggle of the Chargers' offense, defense, and special teams coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that one thing that makes me feel a lot better is when I get to eat a Built Bar. And just thinking about how good Built Bars taste makes the pain from this game just a little bit less because Built Bars are my favorite protein bar. They're the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have 18 amazing flavors, including six new flavors, cookies and cream, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. So many good flavors, and for me, it has to taste good or I'm just not going to eat it. And all Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. These are great for the health-conscious guy. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight, indulging in a delicious treat, you can do it with Built Bars. And for our listeners, they have a special offer. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, guys, well, it's time to wrap this up and get into another frustrating 
have for the Chargers, where it didn't ever seem like the Chargers were going to get back into this game. But you were thinking at least, you know, if you start out hot in the fourth quarter, you can at least change the some of the perception of this game. You can stop the blowout in its tracks and kind of just, you know, go from there. But it wasn't going to be stopped because the Chargers would continue to struggle, starting with their first drive where they end up going six plays, 20 yards, and then Justin Herbert throws an interception. I do think it's a teachable moment here, David, because it was a play in which Justin Herbert, on third down, they're getting him to roll out to his right. They're trying to move the pocket to protect him and to protect their bad offensive line. He gets out there, he gets out there, he decides that the first look isn't there, so instead of kind of waiting and seeing if something opens up, seeing if somebody can make something out of their second move, he tries to throw back across his body, and of course, the Patriots' defense is disciplined as they are. Someone is still hanging around on the backside of the play, and it turns into an interception by Chase Winovich. So, obviously, Herbert had a tough day the entire day. Really, there is no easy part for him, but that is another, you know, rookie mistake, so to speak, that is something you probably shouldn't see from him again, at least. I mean, you would hope so. Yeah, well, I mean, just think about this. I mean, whenever you've grabbed a ball, right, and tried to throw across your body just, you know, by yourself, I mean, that's not a very comfortable feeling. It's not, you know, very easy, and it takes incredible skill to be able to throw that accurately. And, you know, even Justin Herbert as an NFL quarterback, you know, the big, strong arm that he has, that's not a comfortable throw. It's it's, it's very difficult to make that accurate. And, you know, hey, he threw it, and he I'm sure afterwards he immediately regretted it because, you know, that's the one thing they teach you, or one of the many things is don't throw across your body. It's just never a good look, especially when you're throwing across the field a little bit there too. It's just – and, hey, you know, you got to give the linebacker some credit too. He made a good play on the ball, but, I mean, just – don't throw across your body. I mean, it just it, it's it just never turns out well. No, it doesn't. I mean, it is something that's pretty simple. It's something I'm sure he's heard before. And the thing is, when you throw across your body, you can't fit it into the windows. You can when you're being able to set your feet and throw at what's in front of you. When you do that, it takes a little bit longer for the ball to get there. In this case, it took just enough longer for a linebacker to undercut it on the backside of the play. And make them pay for it. And the Chargers offense wasn't great, but they didn't kill themselves in the first half by giving up free turnovers to the Patriots. And they start the second half with all of the adjustments that were made offensively. They still end up in a third down situation where Justin Thur- Herbert Justin Herbert throws an interception. And as you know, good teams do, the Patriots and I mean the Patriots haven't even been a good team this season. This is the five and six Patriots. This is not the dynasty. That put the Chargers down 45-0. to zero. Let's I mean, be clear on that. But they go right down the field. They end up getting a touchdown to make it 35-0. to zero. They would have forced a third and 10, but Joey Bose gets called for a low hit on the quarterback after getting blocked in the back into Cam Newton's legs and just another one of those bad breaks for the Chargers. I mean, Joey Bose was not trying to hit him low on that play. He still gets the penalty. And at third and 10, you would hope at that point, you know, there's a chance you can stop them. And hold them to a field goal. The Chargers cannot get it done. And at this point, it's 35-0. to zero. I mean, it was absolutely brutal. And this is the crazy thing, John. Is we've talked so many times about, you know, the Chargers trying to be a bend-but-don't-break defense. But in this game, the Chargers ended up going for a different kind of streak. They ended up allowing the 17th straight touchdown when their opponents are in goal-to-go situation. So if they get to a first and goal against the Chargers... The last 17 times they've been able to score a touchdown. And that's pretty crazy, John. I mean, to not be able to hold the team to a field goal in 17 straight tries 
I mean, that's brutal. It is, and it comes down to allowing them to get down to there, really. You could talk about how bad the defense is when they get there, but you let them get down there on purpose because supposedly your bend don't break, but yet you constantly break. And I think it has to be said that you basically went in there with the same game plan defensively and offensively too that you did all year and last year while having one of your own on the other side in Adrian Phillips who knows what you do and yet was probably telling Belichick everything that goes on, telling his teammates everything that goes on, and yet you don't switch up anything. And so I'm sure Cam already knew exactly what you were going to do. The running backs knew exactly what you were going to do. They knew exactly where to hit you. And Adrian Phillips even led the Patriots with 12 tackles in this game. So even he was already ready to know where it was going on. (laughs) You basically know you have a guy that was a top player on your team. On the other side, you didn't switch anything up. It was basically set to fail. I mean, and not only accounts for this game where that's happened. I mean, 17th straight touchdown for opponents and goal-to-goal situations. This has been something that's been happening for weeks for the Chargers, even against you know maybe guys who don't know everything for what you're going to do. I mean, it seems like just by watching the tape, everyone knows what the Chargers are going to do in these situations, and they keep exploiting it, whether it's play action, whether it's point, shoving it down their throat, it doesn't matter. Which is the point I was trying to make was you still go with the same game plan every week, so you're obviously going to get beat by the time you get down to the red zone or the goal-to-goal situations because they know what you're going to do. You didn't even switch it up for a guy that knows what you're going to do that used to play for you for a few years and had success. And now you're expecting anything different over these last few weeks? I mean, you're going to be giving up these touchdowns on goal-to-goal the rest of the year unless you switch up a game plan. Well, and the problem is, too, is sometimes the Chargers just, I mean, are just getting straight up out physical in those situations as it happened in today's game. Just they could not take down Cam Newton when he would decide to keep it. They were scoring at will. I mean, even like we talked about coming up, I mean, the backup quarterback, spoiler alert, is going to score as well. But the thing is, is that's the difference of 51 points, those 17 drives. If you were able on any first and goal situation on any of those drives, you would have been able to save up to 51 points. And the Chargers just continue to let those situations turn into touchdowns. The worst team in the league at doing it. But the, it wouldn't get any better for the Chargers. They're down 35-0 to zero on that play. And then on the next drive, the Patriots and Justin Herbert would be intercepted again. This time it's a fourth and six, and he overthrows Keenan Allen. Intercepted by J.C. Jackson. I mean... The interception, I mean, that one, it just looked like he was trying to make a play on fourth down, th- overthrew Keenan Allen. It was definitely a bad throw, and it gets intercepted. But, again, that's on fourth down at that point because the Chargers offense was just so incompetent in the game. And, like, obviously I'm not going to sit here and say Herbert had a good game, but it was just brutal. And then the Patriots next drive, after Kenneth Murray and Nazir Adderley make a couple of nice plays, they end up forcing a punt. And then the special teams ends up having another penalty it was their second penalty when the Patriots were punting of the day. The first time they had 10 men on the field. This time they have 12 men on the field. And then they end up giving a free first down to the Patriots offense. But the Patriots would end up scoring one more touchdown by Jared Stidham. They had added a field goal as well to get it to 45-0. to And on the other hand, David, the Chargers continued to be futile on offense. 
They end up going three drives at the end of the game where they're keeping Herbert in when they're down by 38 points, when they're down by 45 points, and the New England Patriots have already put in their backup, Jared Stidham. Instead, the Chargers end up going three drives in a row where they end up turning the ball over on downs, and they can't even scratch a single point onto the scoreboard. Yeah, the offense looked terrible. Honestly, the only thing I liked going towards the end of that game was the fact that they gave Nazir Adderley an opportunity to, to do uh, kick returns. And, I mean, that's one thing he looks pretty we good saw him do in college kick. that, uh, you know, he absolutely just massacred a guy and then kept running for a, a crazy kick return touchdown. It's something he can do really well. I mean, we've talked about so many times about how well he is in open field. I mean, that's what – we want to see. I mean, that's what I want to see more of. Give give Nas more opportunities to do kick returns. I mean, it seems like he gets pretty close to breaking it. Well, and the problem is, is you drafted a guy basically only for kick returns because you won't even let him actually play out there as a wide receiver in Joe Reed. And I know Joe Reed wasn't available for this game, but Nazir Adderley got in there. He got a chance there, and he made a couple of pretty good returns where at least he wasn't just going down by the first guy that got to him. He was making some people miss making the most out of not great blocking, it looked like. But this just wrapped up one of the most embarrassing games, the most embarrassing game I've ever seen in my time, I mean, covering or watching the Chargers. And it's just brutal. And at this point, it just feels like you have to tear it all down. I mean, it just doesn't seem like there's anything that can stay at this point in the organization as far as coaching, as far as who's general managing. Tom Telesco is not safe, that's for sure. I mean, in the middle um, process of writing basically all about every offseason he's ever done right now. And, a lot of very questionable moves have led to you know his sub-500 record as the Chargers GM. But at this, I just don't even – I don't understand how anyone could be back with this team next season when you're putting up the worst game in your organization's history. The fact that by the time you guys hear this, that Anthony Lynn has not been fired yet, that there's a chance of that, I mean, I think is an indictment of John Spanos, the football – the president of football operations. He's the guy that has to hire the general managers – He's the guy that, I mean, has the input on the head coaches as well. Uh, It's hard to have any faith that even if they move on from Anthony Lynn and Tom Telesco at this point, that they're at this point, that they're going to make the right decision on the next one. And today you saw the worst possible scenario. Your rookie quarterback is regressing. You're getting him absolutely battered out there. And now, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the last thing you can happen. Do not ruin this. You have a good thing. Protect it. With your life. And that's just what I have a hard time having faith the Chargers are going to do at this point. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. I already put out there on Twitter that we weren't going to be doing a What Went Right segment tomorrow. So I'm not sure if it's just going to be two What Went Wrongs. I'm not sure if we, you know, we'll get some more venting in there and just talk about you know what has to change for the Chargers. Who now we know how truly bad they are under this coaching staff. So we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until oh, and then. they were officially... And they were officially eliminated from the playoffs, too. Yep, and they were officially eliminated from the playoffs. And, hey, Anthony Lynn said it was probably going to happen. And then they go out and lose 45-0. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow to talk about all of this fun stuff and much more. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. Make sure to like us on Facebook, Locked on Chargers, as well as subscribing to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the Locked on Chargers podcast there, and it's the fastest and easiest way to always get the show. And if you guys want to vent to us on the voicemail line, the number is 323-524-7924. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.